All right, as our ushers uh, pass, go ahead and pass the baskets this morning. Um, I want to remind you that we are in a series, and so we're in a series on Ephesians. And what we're doing in Ephesians is we're taking a look at, in Christ, who our identity is. You know, there, this world tells us that we're a lot of things. It says you're this or that. It says you're identified by how you look or your job. You identify by a lot of things. But in Christ, those of us who are in Christ have an identity that is different. And we want to embrace that. And the book of Ephesians is all about that. So we're working our way through in our 10th message on Ephesians. And we've only made it to chapter 2. But uh, we, we're going to get through this book together. So today we want to talk about the fact that our identity in Christ is as those who are reconciled. You are reconciled. On August 13th, 1961, at midnight, East German troops moved into the middle of Berlin and they hastily set up a chain link fence all around the city of West Berlin. It took overnight they did this. It was a massive force, a massive movement to get it done. What was interesting is up for the previous 10 years, uh, Berlin had been kind of a hot spot uh, in, in Germany as the Soviets moved in from one direction to try to claim East Germany and the West moved in the other direction. They, they kept West Berlin as, as uh, a, a road to the West. And for 10 years or more, a decade, people who lived in Berlin could go from East Berlin to West Berlin. West Berlin was more prosperous, so people who lived in East Berlin would often cross over into West Berlin to go shopping or to do commerce. A lot of them had jobs in West Berlin. Sometimes just friendships happened to cross the line between East and West Berlin. So on that night, when the fence went up, what we learned from history is that there were many people caught on the wrong side of the fence. They'd gone to spend the night at a friend's house or they had gone to work. There was an overnight shift at work. And when they came, went to go home in the morning, a wall went up. Can you imagine can you imagine for the next 28 years being separated from your family? A wall, a barrier went up. People who hadn't, didn't belong on the other side got stuck there. It divided families, friends, and ideologies. And that wall brought pain and separation. That wall hung over them for the next several decades as a reminder the, Ber Ber the Berlin Wall is, is a metaphor, if you were, for us today. And while it was a physical wall, I want you to know that there are spiritual walls that exist in this world. There are uh, spiritual barriers between people and God, and there are spiritual barriers between people and each other. But the good news is, is that God, the same God of the Mosaic, the sa that same God is the God who tears down walls. This Easter Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. We're celebrating that Jesus is not dead. He's not just a mythical guy somewhere buried or a, a figure from history still buried. He actually rose. And when Jesus rose from the dead, victory claimed. It was the power through the resurrection to tear down walls. So I'm working off a key, kind of a couple key verses in this passage that Claire read for us this morning. And the first key verse is really in verse 14. That Paul tells us that he has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. God is the God who tears down walls. He also says that in verse 16, God has purposed to reconcile both of them. So how does God tear down spiritual walls in our lives? He does it through reconciliation. In Christ, you are reconciled. Through the resurrection, God tears down walls and he brings reconciliation. So today I want to talk about three simple things about reconciliation. 
And the first one is this. You can be reconciled to God. You can be reconciled to God. Really, a, a definition, a simple definition of the word reconciliation has to do with the restoration of friendly relationships and of peace where there had previously been hostility or alienation. So a great example of this is England and America. Uh, you may know from history that we used to not get along so well. In fact, we fought a couple wars. And in the War of 1812, England came back for their colony, I think. And, and one thing they did is they burned the White House and they burned the U.S. Capitol when they came back. Years later, America and England became allies. And so one thing that Britain did is they rebuilt a rotunda in the U.S. Capitol. And I was just there last summer looking at this beautiful rotunda. It's gorgeous. And the tour guide told us this was the British saying, oops, sorry, we burned your capital. And so <laughs> there's a rec there was a reconciliation at some point between two countries. Biblical history points us to that, this same need for reconciliation. If you go back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, and Genesis chapter 3, if you look at these first three chapters of the Bible, we see a story, a beautiful story of God creating Adam and Eve and, and walking with them in perfect harmony. It, it talks about walking with them in the cool of the day. Relationship, beautiful relationship. That's how we were designed. But Adam and Eve sinned and gave sin to all of us. We've all done it. And we broke relationship with God. We offended him. Since that time, God is seeking reconciliation with us. If you ever wonder why maybe God feels far away, that's because of sin. It's because each of us so desperately need, want in our hearts to be restored and reconciled to God. I once I was talking to a guy who was telling me this. He sat down with his pastor and he just said, you know, I, I, I've been trying to figure out this God thing. And he's like, God just feels like he's just out of reach. Like, I, I, like he's there and I can't get him. What's beautiful about the gospel is that when we couldn't bridge the gap, when God felt just out of reach, God bridged it for us. Verse 12 of chapter 2 is very interesting. Paul describes life in this unreconciled state with God. He says it's without hope, verse 12, and without God. I mean, maybe you get to that point where you're like, I can relate to that. You know, I, I can understand, like, it feels hopeless. I try so hard to live my life like I think God wants me to live it. But you know what? I screw it up all the time. I'll never be good enough. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to give up. I'm without hope of ever getting this stuff in my life sorted out. Or maybe you're, you can relate to that idea of without God. It's been so long for you since you had any kind of connection or relationship with God. So long since you opened the Bible or, or said a word. You can just feel like God's a million miles away. The good news is Jesus came to bridge the gap. Sin breaks a relationship with God and we were created for relationship with God. We need reconciliation. I once did a funeral for a lady. I didn't really know her. But I, uh, uh, as she was preparing to die, she asked me to do her funeral. And so I agreed, and I, was, I talked with her. Soon she went to hospice and, uh, and was in a non-communicative state. The, one of the interesting things about this woman is that her children, her adult children, years ago had offended her deeply. And she refused to forgive them. And what I watched is those children came to hospice. They wept at her bed because they knew she was going to die and they would never get reconciliation. 
Oh, reconciliation is so needed. Verse 13 says, in our relationship with God, Christ makes that possible. Look at what the verse 13 says. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. You've been brought near. The barrier has been removed. Now you trust him. You see, here's the thing. Reconciliation is like this. Imagine like this is two people in a relationship, except let's say this is in a relationship with God. So this hand represents God and this hand represents you, me, all of us. The Bible says that we were created to be in relationship with God, facing one another in connection and community in this beautiful picture of a relationship with God. We were created like this. But what sin did is sin pulled us apart in that relationship with God because we sinned and we turned our backs on God. Now what is amazing about the gospel, the, the Bible never talks about God being reconciled to us. The Bible talks about us being reconciled to God. Do you know why? Because God has never stopped pursuing us. In fact, when it took the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, when, when God knew that the only way for our sin to be reconciled was someone to pay for that, God himself became one of us. God himself came to us in Jesus. And God himself spread out his arms on the cross. And when those nails were driven through his hands and driven through his feet, when his back was beaten and torn apart, when he suffered and his blood was shed, he did that for us because God was pursuing us relentlessly. And so here we stand. How do we turn to God? How, how, do we how are we reconciled to God? God's made it possible on the cross. How do we do this? The Bible talks about this through faith. That we stop and we say, God, you and Jesus did for me what I can't do for myself. And all I have to do is trust. It's, the tr it's not like going to church on Easter, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, look God what I did for you. No, it's a simple trust. And then when you're in a relationship, you walk with God. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. The problem is most of us are stubborn, you know? We like to do things our way. We're like, hey, I'll figure out on my own how to get reconciled with God. Or, you know what? I don't need you, God, anyway. We're stubborn. Uh, this week, uh, it was garbage spring cleanup day in my neighborhood. And so we're calling stuff out to the curb. And we had this old uh, electric dryer in the basement that hasn't worked for a long time. And I've been ignoring it, uh, just pretending it would go away. And so uh, I finally decided we need to haul this out to the curb. So Nicholas and I went down there. We got the dryer out. And I was looking at it. And there's a cord that comes off the back of the dryer. And I'm like, you know, sometimes those car cords could be like 20 bucks. I'm like, I'm going to keep that cord. So I looked around in the basement with me. And I was trying to find a tool that I could just reach into the dryer and cut the cord out. And so I thought, I couldn't find anything. I'm like, you know, I know I got the proper tool just upstairs in the garage. Like if I would just go up the stairs, but I, I found instead my wife's craft bin and this little bit of tin snips out of her craft, you know, like, and so I'm working, I'm struggling in this dryer and I'm just stubborn. I'm like, no, I'm going to get this. I'm going to, I'm not going to, it would have been faster to go upstairs to get the right tools, but no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to get this thing. Some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. So finally, uh, you know, the rule of thumb is if you can't get it to work, just pull harder. And, uh, and so I pulled harder. And of course, on the way out, my hand catches the sheet metal and fillets my finger open. And I find myself in the, uh, in the walk-in clinic, getting stitches and bleeding all over everything. And, um, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, 
$20 dryer cord. How much is this visit going to cost? <laughs> I don't think this works out financially. If I'd just not been so stubborn, if I just walked up the stairs. We're stubborn. We want to do things our way and in our time. We want to say, God, I, I, thanks for Jesus and all, but I, I'm good on my own. But the Bible says when we surrender our stubbornness, we surrender and we trust and we say, I can't do this on my own. I need Jesus. If you need to be reconciled to God today, don't be stubborn. Would you respond? Even right now while I'm talking, you can just say, God, I, I surrender your, your way. Now, I trust you to do because I can't do this. I place my faith and I will follow you. Would you do that? Even while I'm talking, just have a word with God. Don't be stubborn. See, through the resurrection, God has torn down the barrier, the barrier between us and him. He's brought reconciliation to us in the cross. You can be reconciled to God. There's a second thing I want to talk about today, though. It's not just with God that we can be reconciled. There's a second point, and that's that we can be reconciled with others as well. You can be reconciled to others. What's really fascinating is, is the entire book of Ephesians was written to a group of Gentiles, non-Jewish people. And, and it was written as the gospel is spreading throughout the known world, and, and Paul is taking the gospel to a group of Gentiles. And these Gentiles were running into Jews who also, some of them had embraced Christ, some of them hadn't, and there was this tension. They're like, you can't have a relationship with God because you haven't become Jewish, you haven't gone through the Jew, you haven't obeyed all these things. You see, uh, if you look back in the scriptures, the Jews were God's, in the Old Testament, the Jews were God's chosen people. And they sort of thought that God just loved them, but they missed the heartbeat of the Old Testament that says God loves the whole world. So as a result, the Jews grew to hate the Gentiles or resent them, and Gentiles returned the favor. They didn't like the Jews. There was this racial hostility between Jew and Gentile. In fact, the Jews, when they built their temple, they built a special wall around the temple. It's called the Wall of the Gentiles. The sole purpose of the wall was to keep the Gentiles out. There's a lot of racial hostility here. And what Paul says is that God breaks down this barrier between people by abolishing the law. Verse 14 and 15, he says he's destroyed the barrier, this dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law. God brings Jews and Gentiles together. Look at verse 15. He says his purpose, God's purpose in tearing down this wall was to create in himself one new man or one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. Isn't that beautiful? God brings the two together. He tears down the wall between them. It's, it's like the Brady Bunch, right? You know, like, you know, this is a story of a lovely lady who's bringing up three very lovely girls. Some of you are not even old enough to know what I'm talking about. The Brady Bunch, the blending of two families, a man named Brady bringing up three boys of his own. They became a happy family with a dog and a maid and it's awesome. You know, it, 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 it's something like that on a grander and bigger and more beautiful scale. God is bringing two together. In other words, God is saying, I've torn down the wall so that you can be reconciled to me. Verse 16, he says, he put to death their hostility. The point is that everything that divides us is dead. Race is a hot topic in our culture. I just want to say in the church, there is no room for racism. Because God has torn down the dividing wall of hostility. 
We share Christ in common. Those of us who would, are in Christ who have said, yes, I surrender, I trust in Christ. He has torn down the wall of hostility. The world handles racism by celebrating our differences. But that is not how the Bible handles the issue. The Bible says we handle racism in the church by celebrating what we have in common. And that is Jesus. We celebrate him. The world encourages something else. The, the world encourages tolerance. That's not what the Bible encourages. The Bible calls for something. You know, there's nothing wrong with tolerance. I suppose it's okay. It's a good thing. I saw a sign at the school the other day, uh, one of the schools I was walking in, it said, celebrate tolerance. And, you know, I, I often talk to a number of people who agree with me that it, the tolerance is not a very nice word. I, I tolerate you. Like, you know, like, maybe I'll get a shirt that says, I'm trying hard to tolerate you. You know, like, uh, it's not a very nice word. You see, the gospel, the call of Jesus calls us to so much more. Way more than just tolerance. The Bible calls us to love. Tolerance says, I'll put up with you even though I don't like you. But those of us who are in Christ, we're called to more. We're called to love, and there's a big difference. I'm sure my wife tolerates me, you know? Like, I'm sure she, I'm, I admit, I'm hard to be married to, you know. I'm always late when I tell her I'm going to be somewhere at a certain time. I'm always late. Uh, I make messes around the house, you know. I, I do. I yell at my kids for doing it, and then I do the very same thing, like hypocrite. I mean, I'm just hard to be married to. I, I get in arguments with her. I, I just, I'm, I'm difficult. I'll, I'll confess that. Uh, you know, I often say just really dumb things, you know. And as soon as it leaves my mouth, I knew it. And it's like, oh, can I take that back? Please, please, before it reaches your ears, can I somehow grab that and take it back? I want to do it. It's just, I mean, she must tolerate me. <laughs> like, at, there are times where it just must be so difficult to be married to me. But my wife does way more. I mean, and I use her in sermon illustrations. The poor woman, you know? Like, th th but she does so much more than tolerate me. She loves me. We share a common commitment to Christ, to our marriage, and to each other. She does so much more. You see, Christ broke down the dividing wall of hostility because God is a God who breaks down walls. I would ask you this. To what Christian do you need to be reconciled? If you're in Christ, who do you need to be reconciled to? Family? We all have that family member, right? Friends? Is there a neighbor? Is there someone with whom you need the dividing wall of hostility to be broken down in Christ? You have a vehicle for this. It's Jesus. You see, what God does is he brings together all kinds of people. And what I love about Waukee Community Church is we're all a bunch of misfits, aren't we? Like, you know, we just, you know, we have people, you know, that are laced in tattoos and piercings and people in three-piece suits. And, you know, like neither one of them really fits, right? I'm in a suit today. It happens once a year. And so on, on Easter and maybe Mother's Day, I'll wear a tie. But I mean, no, twice a year. It, it's just, we're just, a mix of people that really we would share nothing really in common. We'd annoy each other and irritate each other, but here we are together celebrating not our differences, but our what is in common, Jesus. It's beautiful. Maybe you look around today and you go, I don't fit in this crowd. Yes, you do. You fit. Jesus is what binds us together. The resurrection broke down those barriers. Through the resurrection, we can be reconciled to God. We can be reconciled to other through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And through that power, God is a God who tears down walls. Quickly, 
The third thing I want to talk to you about today is what happens when we're reconciled. You're reconciled for a reason, for a purpose. And the first thing that happens that Paul says, as he's been talking about this reconciliation, this, this is good. The first thing he says, there's a reason you've been reconciled. The first one is he says, is because God, you have access. As a result of reconciliation, you have access. Look at verse 18. For through him, Christ, people of all races, both of us, have access to the Father by one spirit. You've been reconciled, and as a result, you have direct access to God. This is, this is an amazing truth. We think about all these things we've got to do. We've got to go through this religious thing, or we've got to do all this stuff to get to God. If I don't say the prayer right, God won't hear it. And no, you have access to God. Um, when, I, when I was a kid, my dad started his own business, and so uh, his name was on there, Brooks Loden PC. And, and uh, as a kid, I remember uh, my dad ha- hired a secretary for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons was this is in the days before cell phones, and he wanted someone screening his calls. He had work to do, and sometimes he wanted to return calls when he could return them. So he had a secretary, and, uh, and what I remember is she would screen calls, but my call never got screened. Isn't that cool? I mean, his name's on the sign, you know, he's important, you think. And I call up and uh, his secretary would always, my dad would always take my call. It didn't matter if he was in a meeting. It didn't matter if he was with a client. I had access because he's my father. That's cool. We've been reconciled with God. The result, we have access to God. We can go directly through the, to the father by the spirit who lives in us. So there's a reason we've been reconciled. There's benefits. There's a purpose to it. There's another reason we've been reconciled. And as a result, I suppose, a rather result of reconciliation is that God lives in us. Verse 21. Verse 21 says, In him, the whole building, Paul changes his metaphor here from a body or a person to a building, these two people are built into a building, is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Okay, so in this context, when Paul is writing, the Jews had a temple, and in, in their thinking, God's presence lived in the temple. And that, that's what the temple was. So if you would ask a Jew in Jesus' day, uh, where, where, where's God? They'd say, well, his presence is in the temple. It's very important. It was the center of everything. Worship, culture, politics, Social networking, the temple was the Facebook of the day, you know. I mean, everything was together there in the temple. It was life in general. Rightfully so, the temple contained the very presence of God. And the purpose of the temple was to bring the glory of God to the nations. Now look at 22. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. If you are reconciled to God... God's Spirit lives in you. And the purpose is to make God's glory known to the world. So in other words, if you're reconciled to God and Christ, how you live matters because you, have, you are now the temple of God. God re- the temple was torn down. Today it sits in Jerusalem. The foundation sits under a rubble of dirt with the dome of the rock built upon it. The temple is no more. The temple is not there. God rebuilt his temple in anyone who claims Christ. This is beautiful. We live, love, 
and give at Waukee Community Church because we're the temple of the living God. So when we come together, we are the temple here today in the school cafeteria. And when we leave here, we're the temple scattered. We're all about in our lives, in our different places. We're the temple. When we go out on Faith in Action Sunday, two weeks from today, and we serve our community, we just cancel church and we serve our community. When we do this together, we all take jobs and just go love people. When we do that, we're the temple in action. We've been reconciled for a reason. It's beautiful. Christ's power broke through the death, through with the death and resurrection of Jesus. He broke down walls, he brought reconciliation, and he made us with a purpose. So reconciliation means restoration. We've been referencing this mosaic analogy all morning, and we've been talking about how God takes the broken pieces of our individual lives, and he's in the process of reassembling those pieces into something for our good and his glory. But that analogy also stretches to the church. God is taking broken people in the church, these messed up people, and he's bringing them together as a temple for his glory. In the church, God is taking broken people and bringing them together because God is a God who tears down walls and rebuilds it for his glory. So the story of the Berlin Mall, you, know, you might know, President Reagan stood at that wall in, uh, on November 9th of, of uh, or excuse me, on June 12th of 1987, President Reagan stood at that wall and he said, uh, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And just over two years later, one day, the East German authorities announced that the border crossings were open. And people started, you know, caref very carefully walking up to the wall. To, like, are, you know, is this real or are they going to shoot me? And so s soon some people went through and then more people went through and the gates were open and, and they freely crossed. And people started taking hammers and they started chiseling at the wall in a celebration that the wall is coming down. Families who had been apart for 28 years were reunited you see, beautiful things happen when God tears down walls. Today, I urge you, God has torn down the wall. Through the resurrection, he has broken his kingdom into this world. God's taken down the dividing wall. And he's calling you, be reconciled to God. Our worship team is going to come and we're going to worship in response, celebrating this great God, celebrating who he is. And while they come in place, would you pray with me? As we close, God, it is our desire that all the glory goes to you. On this Easter Sunday, as we worship the risen Christ, as we celebrate walls coming down, as we celebrate being reconciled to God and to each other, help us to be reconciled for a reason. Help us to live out the purpose of reconciliation, to be the kind of people who tear down walls, break down barriers for your glory and our good. And we thank you that you are assembling this beautiful picture. Thank you that we get to be part of it. We pray all this in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen.